Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies, three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. For the past eight years, RDL Construction LLC has been servicing the New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland markets, specializing in the installation of exterior and interior metal framing, drywall, acoustical ceilings, doors, and hardware, along with bathroom accessories and FRP. Check them out. Their website is RDL Construction LLC. Dot com. I have a very fun guest on today. I connected with her through mutual friends and quickly became a fan of hers. She is who I call a competitive creative, which I can so relate to. She lives to create and has a healthy love affair with winning, and her entrepreneurial spirit is infectious. She is the owner and head chocolatier of Devour Desserts and fancies herself as the queen of flavor. Her award-winning bite-sized desserts are handcrafted in small batches with extreme attention to detail and exciting flavor combinations. Devour Desserts is a five-time Best of Gloucester County winner as the best candy shop and has officially thrown in their hat in the 2021 ring to go after Best Bakery. Let me introduce her. Misty Solomon, welcome to the show. Why, thank you for having me. I was really looking forward to this. Glad to have you. Happy to be here. Wanted to dive into your career path and history and really how you got to where you're at today. I know that you attribute much of your business success to your direct sales background and experience where you spent over 10 years with Tastefully Simple. Do you want to talk about how you got to Tastefully Simple and just talk about your career path leading to where you're at? Yeah, absolutely. So I hosted a, I actually went, attended a Tastefully Simple party. I had dabbled in direct sales before I actually sold Mary Kay for a couple of years and lost uh-huh. thousands of dollars in inventory and swore that I would never do any kind of direct sales again. So when I went to this Tastefully Simple party and I was so enamored by everything that was happening, I was hesitant because I had already made up my mind that I would never do it again. And then I just changed my mind and I did it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it took off really quickly. I was pretty much immediately, you know, like thrust into leadership. Mm-hmm. and stayed with them for over a decade. My team did uh, over a million dollars in sales eight years in a row. Wow. And we had upwards of like 500 team members at the okay. height. So it was great. They, um, you know, aside from the money that was coming in, they taught me leadership skills, you know, because I was a leader, they were really about self-development. So they mm-hmm. would, you know, bring us out for the weekend and bring in these amazing trainers 
and, you know, speakers that were, you know, passionate. It was something I had never really experienced before and loved, absolutely loved that element of it. So. No, awesome. And those type of businesses, I mean, that that's what they're all about, you know, is just to develop your personal skills, your personal brand and just build their business or help build their business, which I wanted to get into as well with, you know, what you're doing with your personal brand and how you're building your business. It's, it's actually a lot of fun to watch. But before I get into that, you went to, you were regional sales director for, uh, is it Vesalis? Yeah, Vesalis. Yep. So that was like a, that I had left Tastefully simple. I ju- it was just time for me to leave. Time for me to move on. I got mm-hmm. into, I was really, you know, like had been making desserts on the side also out of my house while at, towards the end okay. of Tastefully Simple. My dad went through a really rough bout with cancer. So I was really heavy and I found this company called Body by Vi and they did this 90 day challenge and I was about it, you know, so I jumped into that. Stayed there for probably a year. I didn't have anywhere near the level of success that I did with Tastefully Simple, but I had the sickest body I ever had in my entire life. <laughs> so it was worth it. <laughs> Good stuff. And then you you continue with your sales experience. You worked at Be Safe, which was a an alarm company. Yeah. How was that experience? Interesting. It was a very <laughs> male dominated mm-hmm. industry. So I went in, you know, as a salesperson. Sales is a love of mine. It's something that I just am naturally good at. So I went in and, you know, immediately became like the number one salesperson. And I, you know, like of all these men that had been in this industry for like 20 years, and here's this young girl coming in and selling everything. So it was um, interesting. Let's just say it was interesting. And I did not, I wasn't there long. <laughs> yeah, it looks like just over a year. And then that's when you started in 2015, you started Devour, but you were already doing it in your home kitchen, correct? Right. Yeah. I started in 2011. I just... Mm-hmm really was unenamored with edible arrangements and and how they were operating. I used them a lot for my business when I was sending gifts to my team members. And towards the end, I remember thinking like, how am I spending $150? And these strawberries aren't even dipped in chocolate. This is just fruit. This is so stupid. This can definitely be better. I felt like they were underserving their customer and I knew it could be done better. So I really just started to do it for fun. It was really just a hobby. It was, it was never in a million years, like I'm going to start this business, but fairly quickly it escalated to a point where I was like, oh my God, this is actually a business. So I ran this illegal business out of my house for four years, never got caught, never got turned in. I don't know how I managed that. And then opened my first storefront in 2015. So I will say to people, if you are running an illegal food business out of your home, stay there as long as you can, (laughs) because you're going to make a lot more money out of your house than you will going and moving into a storefront. It takes years. Yeah. Before you take on rent and lease agreement and all that. And so you opened up your first store in Mantua. Did you do that all on your own? Did you have any business partners? You know, how, how did, how did you manage that? I didn't have business partners. It's an interesting story. So I had my very first business coach and she was really, her name's Kate Butler. She's local. And she was actually the first one that was like, you can totally do this. And I'm like, no, I don't have the money. You know, I didn't really have uh, the vision. Like I, all of my vision stopped it. I don't have the money for this. Mm-hmm. So she was really kind of the first person that ever introduced me to the idea that it, that had nothing to do with it whatsoever. It was about setting the intention you know, Mm -hmm. making it a target and then going after it. And then everything kind of falls into place, but I had never experienced that before. Um, And that was my first foray into really understanding Mm -hmm. how it works because 
I didn't have the money. Like I, in my understanding, like I'm mapping out what I need for this business. I'm thinking like $10,000. That's all I'm going to need. I've got it all on paper. It's got to be right. Well then now, so you get in and you know, all about construction. I mean, it took me months to even get estimates for things that needed yeah. to be done. So I'm selling out all of this money that I don't have. I had borrowed money from my mom and my dad gave me some money. My father-in-law had given me some money, but it was running out quickly. I um, had contacted an investor that I knew had the money and he said yes, but then left me hanging for months because it's mm. his favorite thing to do. We're friends. Um, <laughs> so he loves to do that to me. <laughs> and it really got to the point where, honestly, there was a point where half the store was ripped apart. I had money that needed to be done. And, you know, like I needed like $25,000 basically like tomorrow. So I remember going home and just like crying my eyes out and, you know, like just not knowing, being, feeling stuck, like not knowing what to do next. What what steps am I going to give up on this and then waste all of the $15,000 that all these people had already given me? Where am I going to get this money from? And suddenly that night, my uh, investor, Pat, texted me and he was like, oh, I have a check for you tomorrow. Awesome. You know, after I hadn't really even talked to him, it just kind of presented itself, you know, so it was interesting. And then there was another mm-hmm. time that come up that, you know, like there was still more money that needed to come in. And I was, did not want to ask my dad for more money because he had already, he had already asked me, you know, he had already given me money. Not that he didn't have it. It was just, you know, I wanted to do it on my own. Yes. So it was very humbling to have to go back to him and say, you know, like, can I get more money? And he's like, of course you can have more money. And here it is. <laughs> so yes. you, sometimes we make it a lot harder than it needs to be. Sure. We, what a relief. We, we like create all of these stories about how we can't oh, have what we want. In our head. Yes. And, and what a relief that must have been too, just to get that text or call that he has that check for you and your passion, your dream is going to continue. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I will say that I, I'm a big fan of like post-it notes. So at mm-hmm. the time I needed a very specific money amount of money. So it was like when I figured out what I needed, it was like $53,000. So I had a post-it note in my car on my dashboard on my car. And every time I would get in, I would see it and I'd be like, I am so grateful that I have $53,000 to do this project with. And I just really did it. So all the time, it unintentionally just, you know what I mean? Like I saw yes. it, I did it, I said it. And yeah. It works. I don't know how that voodoo magic works, but it's real. Visualization really does work. It really does. No, awesome. And let me guess, the cost for your fit out was probably mainly plumbing. Am I correct? Yes. (laughs) Those kitchen? Yeah, I bet. Thanks in my 200 square foot kitchen. Yep. And that's probably one of the most expensive tradesmen out there. So yeah, they're, they're not cheap. Good stuff. So... I wanted to touch on your customer. Well, actually, first, you have another store that you opened up in Aston, PA, and that was a couple years ago, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. We moved in there in December of 2017, and that's a pretty crazy story how that happened. It was August. It was August, and I had this idea that I wanted to start to bring, I had already been running like a kids in the kitchen program and I really wanted to expand that. So I just started to have this, these ideas about how I needed more space. We were really bursting at the seams during holidays. It was like, we were running out of room to put things. So I knew that another location was going to be important. We also had a lot of people at the time when I first opened, we were doing chocolate dip fruit truffles and some bars, but not really any kind of cakes or cupcakes. And it was something that my customers really wanted. So I started, you know, I mapped out in my notebook exactly what this place would look like, like what the rooms and how much space I would have, would I be able to do there? And just drew it out with the complete 
expectation that it was going to cost like take me like 18 months to two years to find this place. I started looking in Glassboro and, mm-hmm. you know, like trying to, you know, like sort like go with realtors and look at places and suddenly, so that was August beginning of September. One of my vendors called me, it was Viso's Italian bakery. They're out of Aston, Pennsylvania. They sold me my cannoli. So it was the one thing that I didn't make was cannoli because I'm not Italian and I don't know how mm-hmm. to make it. So I'm going to find, <laughs> if I can't make it myself, I'm going to find the best place to make it mm-hmm. and bring them in. So I had, was wholesaling from them and I got a phone call saying like, we're going out of business. And all I'm, all I'm thinking is, oh my God, how am I going to, Christmas is coming. How am I going to give my customers cannoli? Like I was one track mind, you know? <laughs> so I placed this order and I went to pick it up. And when I got there, she was like, you should take a walk around. And I'm walking around this place like, it's huge. It was huge. And she was like, you should think about buying it. And I'm like, I will. I'm going to think about awesome. buying it. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, went home, realized that it was, could literally is everything, everything mm-hmm. that I had drawn out was right in front of my face. So it was interesting because it was so fast, you know, and mm-hmm. I wasn't planning on it being that fast. I was planning on having tons of time to figure right. it out. So it was really like feet to the fire kind of a moment. You know, once again, my investor came, came through, helped me awesome. out with the funding for it. And you may have known him. It's uh, Pat Geis from McCormick Taylor. He's like got a really huge company in the city and all over. Uh, he, they they do uh, highways and infrastructures for oh, highways. Heavy, so heavy he's, highways. he's been okay. an amazing mentor to me awesome. um, and investor and he takes yeah. really good care of me. So, you know, like he came in, no one thought this was a good idea, right? No yeah. one, including me. It Really like, I can't say that I was really ready. I had just finally got to the place where I wasn't working like, 18 hour days, you know, I was kind of like everything was flowing and it was nice. And here I am with this. Now I'm back in the thick of it, but I just knew, I knew I was supposed to, I knew it was the right thing to do. It was very guttural for me. It was very just like, it's going to take up all my time. It's not what I would choose, but I know I'm supposed to do it. So I'm just going to say yes. (laughs) And even your investor. Pretty much how I live my life. I love it. I love it. Your investor didn't, didn't think it was a good idea either, or he, he was, he, he believed in you. I don't know. Yeah. If they, I don't know. There were a lot of people that did not think it was yeah. a great idea. Let's yeah. just say that. <laughs> well, it is. And you're expanding. And how are sales been in comparison to both shops? Well, the first shop for sure. I mean, Mantua definitely outsells Aston, even though mm-hmm. it's what much smaller, but we've been there so much longer. And I will say that it's easy to look back at the sales and see the significant jumps from year to year. So I really didn't attach myself to the fact that it was so much slower than we were doing because I just, I had been through it before and I know that the buildup takes time. So Mm. I've just, we're, it's getting there. There are some days where they like exceed the sales of Mantua and they're like, well, you know, everybody in Aston's like, yeah, we did it. (laughs) But we, you know, like my customer base is Jersey. So when I'm on, when I'm on social media, everyone in Jersey is seeing my content and not so much in Pennsylvania. So I actually just bought, just hired like a sales marketing team so that we can boost that visibility in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. But like we had talked about before, I'm just careful to do that because you can grow too quickly. It can happen too quickly. Yeah. You got to be prepared for that growth for sure. And, and uh, at your pace, you know what you're comfortable with. I do recall you saying that the, the shop in Aston was more so for kitchen space, that you needed the kitchen space because you have the smaller kitchen in, in Mantua. 
we have a gigantic kitchen. It's yeah, a full, so right. we do all of the baking. Yeah. We have a deck oven. We can have Got 15 it. sheet pans in the oven at a time. Mm-hmm. We're in Mantua. We had like mm-hmm. this little tiny convection oven. It was very small. So yeah, we were able to produce at a ridiculous rate. So then, then it was all about finding the team members, you know, and finding the people mm-hmm. to execute and, and build that vision together. So it's been a process. That's for sure. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. No, I, I can imagine. And, and I want to thank you, since you're talking about team members, for giving my daughter, Alyssa, a uh, internship. She absolutely loves working with you. And I told her to learn from the best. Yeah, <laughs> she's great. She's a good kid. Yeah, I really appreciate that. So let's talk about how important for a small business, you know, customer, you know, engagement is and social media and what you do on social media, it's actually a lot of fun to watch. You, you know, the way you engage with your your customers and or potential customers. Just talk a little bit about how important it is, your social media and building that personal brand. Yeah, I mean, I try to engage them as much as possible. From my perspective, a lot of these people have been buying desserts from me since I was at my house. You know, mm-hmm. they've been a lot of my customers have been with me for for the whole ride. So they love to watch it and they love to cheer me on. Like I'm very much a, I want to see other businesses succeed. I love to watch other people succeed. I love to watch other people win. Like it doesn't, it's not threatening to me, even if they're in my industry, you know, like that's exciting because someone is showing that it can be done. So I love to share not only the good stuff, but the bad stuff, the highs and the lows, the crazy customers and the awesome experiences and, and the whole gamut because there's so many plates spinning and it's an interesting story. People like to hear about it. They like it to, is. you know, follow along and, and see what. All the things you're going through day and day. And I've seen quite a few shares. Would you like to share a funny one? Because <laughs> there's quite a few. Uh, there are quite a few. I will say that probably the most popular and funniest thing that I still will have people stop me in the supermarket and be like, oh my God, I remember you did this thing we had. There was this lady named Frida. So we do strawberry shortcakes. It is our number one seller. Our strawberry shortcakes are very simple. It is cake, whipped cream, and fresh cut strawberries. That's it. It's not fancy. So we had, you know, sent her out with this strawberry shortcake. It's like wrapped in a plastic collar. And she didn't think that it was pretty, I guess. I don't know. And wrote a review saying that, you know, she wouldn't recommend our bakery because this ugly strawberry shortcake. And it was like the Leaning Tower of Pisa and just all this stuff. Well, let me tell you, first of all, If it's a legitimate complaint, I care. Like, it's not like I don't care. Like, I will drive to somebody's house like four hours after we're closed to deliver something if it was wrong. And, you know, like I have a respect for people, respect for my customers that I want to get it right. But there's also nonsense, right? And this was just nonsense to me. Like, it literally says right on the menu that this is what you're getting. I don't know what you're not, what you're not getting. So I was walking through the supermarket and I saw this flat of strawberries. Now I buy flats of strawberries, cases of strawberries every single day. But for some reason, I saw this flat of strawberries and it literally like just came out of nowhere. And it said, Frida's, Frida hates our strawberry shortcake. And I was like, okay, this is happening. So like for a couple of days, really, it was so aggressive that I was like, Ooh, is this really happening? Like I remember calling my business coach and being like, can I run a special like this? And she's like, I think you definitely should. So I ran a special called Frida hates our strawberry shortcake. It was a two day special. And I just basically said, listen, we love all of our customers, but Frida did not like our strawberry shortcake. We think it's beautiful. We hope you think it's beautiful. We're running a sale on it. 
It's two day special. We sold a hundred <laughs> strawberry shortcakes in Love two. It. They loved it. So it was, you know, that's probably the funniest clapback oh. that I had ever had at like yes. a ridiculous customer because We've of the story. Yeah. It's all about the storytelling, right? The story behind the whole thing. That's great. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> hey guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856-217-1750 and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. So where do you think you're going? Obviously, you open up your second store. Do you see more stores down the road or are you just trying to just grow the two locations at this time? Well, I'm trying to grow the two locations at this time and get the structure right, get the procedures right. That's really what we're working on. There's still a couple kinks that we're trying to, you know, when you're running an operation like this and you've got the information that's coming in, right? It's email, it's Facebook messages. People are texting me. They're messaging my regular page. They're calling the store. They're stopping into the store. So like finding some kind of a system to funnel all of that Mm -hmm. has really taken us probably the better part of this last year and getting the right key people, the communicators in place to be able to respond to those messages. And so that's been it. But yeah, I mean, like my goal is to be a national brand. That's been since I started, really. I saw visions of, taking over edible arrangements, customer base, and, you know, like serving okay. customers in a different way, how that's going to happen. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm mm-hmm. also totally fine with figuring it out as I go along. Like I don't have to know what the end game is right. because I feel like the road rolls out in front of me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just take the next right step and then everything will fall into place. So right now, you know, our next, do we have plans for, I have a, plan for a third location because we really need to round out our product line and do gluten-free and nut-free in Mm -hmm. a certified, you know, like careful gluten-free, nut-free space. That's, you know, like people ask for it all the time, but I'm just Mm -hmm. not comfortable doing it in my store where we've gotten gluten flying around the kitchen all the, all the time. So someplace that things can be packaged and then vending. I Mm -hmm. really believe that vending is the future. So that's where I'm putting my eggs in that basket. Mm -hmm. Got it. Now, do you think it's good to have a larger menu or a smaller menu when you're smaller business at this time? Well, it's easier to have a small menu. Sure. I don't know if it's better. You have so yeah. many people that love yeah. different things, you know, like, yeah. you know, uh, one of my customers came, they come every single year and she picks up a German chocolate cake for her mom, mom or dad. It's not something that's on a regular menu, but she loves mm-hmm. our German chocolates. So as long as we have enough notice and it's not like a holiday weekend, we'll try to accommodate as long as we can get it right. As long mm-hmm. as we can get the flavors right, we'll do it. No, got it. So you do like custom orders, basically, you're saying. Awesome. So g- getting into this industry, I understand that your father was in the chocolate biz? He's, yeah, kind of. I mean, he yeah. imports cocoa beans. Okay. So he works That's for a company that imports cocoa beans. So he works on the dock. He brings the ships in. Uh-huh. You know, I will tell you that cocoa beans are the most lecherously disgusting smelling <laughs> things. Like if you walked into, yeah. you know, a cocoa bean factory, you would literally be overwhelmed by the, it is gasping for air 
Got horrible <laughs> smell. So yes, I don't know how I fell in love with chocolate at a young age, being in <laughs> like in that environment where I was smelling that. I always still loved it. But yes, so he, I remember he used to bring home like these huge, almost like a pillow, but it was filled with air that they would have in the ships to make the cocoa beans not ship from side to side. Okay. He would bring them home, throw them in the backyard, and we would like jump on them. And mm-hmm. he would bring home like, you know, 25 or 30 pound blocks of blocks. chocolate. Got so, it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, what kind of chocolate was it? Was it milk or dark or? Really good chocolate. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but it was really, it was delicious when I was seven. Uh, it didn't even, I don't, didn't really matter. We're a chocolate family too. We love it. <laughs> so outside of work, what are you passionate about? Like, what do you do, like to do for hobbies? I mean, obviously you're passionate about growing your business, but what do you do on downtime? Yeah, I uh, saw this question coming and (laughs) I was like, ooh, this is going to be tough because I really love work. Yeah. I love work. I love self-improvement. I love building and creating. Like it's, I don't watch television. I don't watch movies. I don't really like, I wish I had more hobbies. I do like to golf, but I would say, I don't know, like I have fun building. So I remember we we were open all through COVID, right? Like we didn't miss a beat. There wasn't like a time where we ever stopped working. And sometime in like June, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm going to take a day off and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do anything work related. Like I'm not going to. So I sat on my porch and I played solitaire for like an hour. And I was like, this shit's for the birds. Like I I hate this. Can I I please go back to work Uh, now? Yes. Oh, I totally get it. (laughs) I feel wasteful if I'm doing anything. Besides using the gifts that I've been given. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. I am going to Arizona tomorrow, so I am hiking the Grand Canyon. So I I am finding some days for that, but it's also good for the health, mind, body, and soul, you know? Definitely. I'm not a fan of hiking. (laughs) I did it. I went and did like some ridiculous mountain in uh, Colorado. Yeah. And I hated every second of it. How about the sightseeing? And then we went whitewater rafting. I did love that. I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm so looking forward to it. It's a bucket list item for me. Cannot wait. I leave real early tomorrow. If anyone wanted to get into, you know, your profession or just follow their, their passion or their heart, what would your advice be, you know, on, on how to do so? Yeah. So I would highly recommend Elizabeth Gilbert did this. I don't know if it's a podcast. I listen to it as a podcast. It may be an actual YouTube video that you can watch. It's called The Flight of the Hummingbird. And it was fascinating because it talks about basically people that think that they have to know what they need to know from the get-go. And really life is about a journey of curiosity and finding what lights you up and what your passions are. So I would, my advice would be don't think that you have to know what you're going to do next year. Just do the things that light you up, follow that path. And then everything kind of just figures itself out. You know, I feel like these kids today have so much stress put on them to decide who they're going to be, what they're going to be for the rest of their life. By the time they're 15, I mean, I've got teenagers and I don't really know how that works, how you expect them to know what they want to do for the rest of their life. So I've always been with my kids, you know, like do work, definitely work, you know, like work hard at what you do, but don't get wrapped up in thinking that you have to know what you're going to be 10 years from now, because I have 40 and 50 year old girlfriends and male friends that Mm -hmm. don't know what they want to be when they grow up. So 
Yeah, no, great share. And I, and I, and I totally agree. I mean, I, I don't recall what the statistic is, but when we're a young kid, I think like four years old, we're at our max creativity. Like our creative like scale is here. As we get older, that creativity scale drops drastically because we're not using that creativity anymore. It's just crazy to me, but I totally agree there. You, you should be patient and uh, find your passion in any way possible because that's where you're going to, going to be at your best. And you never know when you're going to find it. I mean, like you might not do the thing that you love until you're 21, you know, like you might not even know that that's a possibility exists in your realm, that that is something that you can do. And then all of a sudden you do and you're like, oh my God, I love this, you know? And if you were stuck doing, you know, if you were married to this idea of who you had to be, even though it didn't light you up inside, but you had to be it because you had to pick something that sucks. Mm -hmm. It sure does. This was awesome. I hope you had as much fun as me. Would you like to share like your business website, how people can connect with you on social media platforms? Yeah. So you can find me at Misty Solomon. You can definitely follow me. And my business is Devour Desserts. We are on Facebook as Devour Desserts. And we're on Instagram as Devour Desserts and J and DevourDesserts.com. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm sure I'm going to see you soon. Definitely. Have a great trip. I will. See you soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.